Let's pray. Father God, who is in heaven, Lord, we, we worship you, our great high king. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together this day to, to hear your word, to be instructed in, in your ways. And Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts now as we finish off this section looking at um, the, you as, uh, as a triune God. And Lord, we ask that you would um, continue to lift up our eyes in worship to you and in wonder as we learn more about you that this knowledge about you would not just, would, would not just result in uh, the end point of knowledge, but it would result in, in doxology, in, in worship and awe of, of you, our great King. And so we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, so I'm sure we are going to finish the section on the Trinity today. Um, and what we have been looking at so far, and I believe we saw especially last week, was that each person, well, firstly, the, the Trinity, we worship one God. We must never lose sight of that. We don't worship three gods or three different essences. We worship one God who exists eternally in three persons. Each of those three persons shares in the same one divine essence, same one divine substance. Now, the, the, we say, controversy with, with, where some have you know, found in, in the doctrine of the Trinity is then viewing the Trinity in some sort of subordinationist manner, okay, where there's a sense that the, the Father is at the top, and then it's the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to focus in this last session on these differences in the Trinity, in the Trinity because they are, are there, and we need to understand um, why they are so, um, and have a correct understanding of, of, of um, the nature of these differences. Because on the one extreme, extreme, we don't want to flatten the whole Trinity saying it's, it's all just one and not acknowledge any differences. And then the, the other extreme is that we don't want to purely just focus on the differences and then lose sight of the oneness of God. And holding these things together is a part of the mystery of the Trinity. So, there, when we read Scripture, we see that there is generally a order in the Trinity. Generally speaking, although not always, but gen, ordinarily when the script, the New Testament speaks, it, it speaks first of the Father, then of the Son, then of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll say generally because there are some exceptions to that. Who can think of some exceptions where it doesn't start with the Father and then the Son and the Holy Spirit? What about this benediction that you hear regularly? 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, in brackets the Father, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Okay, so there the order is first Jesus, then the Father, and then the Spirit. There are a couple other places, I, mean, there's, well, I can't remember the reference, but one of them is even starts with the Spirit, and then the Father, and then the Son. So, while most cases it speaks, Scripture speaks Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there are some exceptions to that. Now, that general order, we must understand, has no bearing on each person's essence as God or, or their level of divine power. Okay, it's not saying that because we've, we've, we, or we generally talk about the Father, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit, that the Father is more powerful than the Son, and, the, then, and then the, the Son is more powerful than the Spirit, etc., etc. That's not what the language of Scripture is communicating at all. It, this language is telling us something about source. Okay, it's... Now, we must understand that while all three persons of the Trinity are uncreated and eternal, Scripture reveals to us that the Father was not begotten. Nor was the Father, nor did he proceed from any other of the persons of the Trinity. Now, the Scripture doesn't speak about Jesus in the same way. Instead, the scripture tell, reveals to us that the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. John 1 verse 18 and John 3 16. And then the Bible reveals to us that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. John 15 26. So it's revealing to us, that language is revealing to us not a the nature of the power and the substance of each person as, the, as God in the Trinity, it's revealing to us this source and, and uh, these distinctions that are in the Trinity and that we, need to, that we need to be aware of. Okay, so more of these differences. Okay, now we call these differences in the Trinity Theological language, we call them the economy of the Trinity. Okay, so for example, the Father sends the Son to earth in the fullness of time to redeem his people. Okay, that's a unique work of the Father. Okay, the Son is not the one who sends the Father to earth to die for his people. It's the Father who chooses a people from before the creation of the world, as Ephesians 1, 4 tells us, and then sends his Son um, to, to, to redeem his people in, in the fullness of time. Okay, then the Son, in his earthly ministry, submits to the Father. We see that, you know, Malcolm, you raised that last week. Okay, then the Father and the Son send the Spirit. Yeah, then the Father, well, the Son and the Spirit glorify the Father. The Father makes all things through the Son, as Colossians 1.16 says. 
And the Father saves by sending His Son as an atonement for our sins, and then the Spirit applies His work of redemption to us, His church. And then, quite obviously, it's only the Son, it's only Jesus who takes on flesh and becomes incarnate. It's only Jesus who dies on the cross. The Spirit doesn't die on the cross. The Father certainly doesn't die on the cross. So the point that I'm making here is that each person of the Trinity does some very distinct things. We mustn't confuse. Just because God is one, we're not to conflate everything and saying it was the, the Father and the Spirit and the Son died on the cross. No, they didn't. Only the Son died on the cross. Okay, it's not that the, the, the Father and the, 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 the Son dwell with us in their personhood now. No, it's only the Spirit. But yet he, in the mystery of it, brings the Lord, the triune Lord close to us. I mean, and we see an example of that with, with the Lord's Supper. Okay, we believe that when we participate in, in the Lord's Supper, Jesus is spiritually present among us. We don't believe this is a purely memorial story. Yes, it, 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 we are pointed to the gospel and we remember what Christ did for us. Absolutely. But it's more than that. Christ is truly present here when we participate of the Lord's Supper. It's not that the bread and the wine change substance and, and become God. That's the Roman Catholic view. We don't believe that at all. But nevertheless, Christ is truly present in the supper. And how is he present? By the Holy Spirit. Because that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Christ and to make him present. So if we, I'm using that as an example just to show some ways we, healthy ways we find distinctions in the Trinity, functioning distinctions in, in the Trinity. Any questions so far? I'm too confused to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can really see why the Jews sort of say, you know. I have a question regarding the supper. Yeah. Well, in a couple of places, um, you know, one is, is Hebrews 6. Yeah, it talks about the heavenly taste, those who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. You think that that's a reference to the Lord's Supper, especially with the language of, of tasting. Um, I mean, Jesus, Jesus himself speaking in like John 6. Um, 
that he is the bread of life. Um, 6.51, I'm the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life on you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is, is true drink. In, let's see what our confessions have to say as well. This is so important. Okay, so Westminster Confession of Faith, 29, paragraph 7. Um, Worthy receivers outwardly partaking of the visible elements in the sacrament do then also inwardly by faith, really and indeed, yet not carnally and corporally, but spiritually receive and feed upon Christ crucified and all benefits of his death. The body and blood of Christ being then not corporally and carnally, it's a Roman Catholicism, in with and under the wine, that's Lutheranism, yet as rarely but spiritually present to the faith of believers in that ordinance as the elements themselves are to their outward senses. Okay, also 1 Corinthians, the scripture reference given here, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? I mean, I think it's pretty explicit, especially in 1 Corinthians 10 passage, that there's, there's something real going on here. We are communing, that's the word communion. We participate, we have real fellowship within the presence of God when we in, in communion. That's the nature of it. We are drawn near to him by his spirit. He comes down to us and he fellowships with us. I mean, that's what, yes, communion is certainly about a communion as you know, a fellowship and a bond with us as the church, but it's more so we have real communion with God himself when we participate in, in, in the supper. We can chat more. Do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's omnipresent. Absolutely, but there's, there's a, 
God's certainly with us all the time. He's omnipresence. But there's, there's a sense that when we participate in the Lord's Supper and we sit under the preaching of the Word, God draws near to us by His Spirit in a special way, in a unique way that only um, happens when we receive what we call the means of grace. Okay, these, the supper, the preaching of the word, prayer and worship, these special things that scripture talks about that God, which God attaches a promise to, that he's definitely with us when we participate in these things. Not that he's not definitely with us in other times, but, but he's working in us in a, in a special way by the power of the spirit to sanctify us, to draw us, to unite us in closer to Christ, to put sin to death in us in ways that are not like when we're just hanging out in our normal daily life. There's a, I mean, you can liken the difference in the Old Testament to the people of Israel. God was always with them, but he was with them in a special way when they drew near to worship him in the temple. That's, that's where his Shekinah glory was, his presence was in a special way. And so likewise in the New Testament, we have we are brought into that Shekinah glory and his presence in, in a whole in, in a way that the Israel could never even dream of. That the curtain's been ripped. <laughs> so in every worship service we we the Lord draws us right into his presence. No no curtain and how does it happen is through the blood of Jesus. So there's a special heightened kind of sense of the presence of God um, that's, that's unique. It's distinct from his omnipresence. It's not dependent on us. Yeah. He's always present, but there's a unique way that he's present in, in the worship service and through the means of grace. We can chat more about it. We can... I can Connect you some to some resources. Yes, uh, any. Yeah. Okay. 
Great question. I was reading. Uh, I was reading about this yesterday. Um, okay, what begotten does not mean <laughs> was was that uh, it doesn't mean created. Okay, so it's not communicating some sense that there was a time where Jesus didn't exist and then the Father begot him in, in eternity. It's just the biblical language for talking about how the existence of the Son. Okay, because I think, look at it, think of it this way. Okay, the, the Father has always been the Father. So the Son has always been the Son. Now, the father could not be a father without the son. And likewise, the son could never be a son without the father. So there's never a time where, for the father's sake, there was no son. Otherwise, he could never be the father. So always, in the mystery of the Godhead, the father and son have been. Scripture calls, describes the the way in which the son is <laughs> is is in existence is well he's always been in existence but it, just, it talks about him as being begotten that it, it's how his divine essence has been communicated to him he's always been God it's it yeah. Well, the spirit proceeds. Sorry. Well, the the scripture describes language. The scripture uses the spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So the spirit is not begotten. Yeah, this the scripture doesn't speak in that language about. This. <laughs> Well, there's a reason why the scripture only describes the son as being begotten. Welcome, Colleen. Um, and the spirit proceeding from the father and the son. Um, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I'm just the messenger. <laughs> yes, well. oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that's called paganism. <laughs> Mother goddess and divine feminine, that is paganism <laughs> Malcolm Subordinationism. Yeah, we like that book. 
great. Rationalism. Yeah, I think you're spot on, um, Malcolm. You see, the, the, the other thing here is even the language of the Father and the Son. And this is one of the first things that Jehovah's Witness will typically say to you. It's like, oh, who's more important? Who's got more power, a father or a son? And you say, obviously, the Father. Um, you can't apply that logic to the Trinity. Okay? The, the Father, um, so the the yeah, it's illegitimate to, to make those jumps. The, the son is the son, the father is the father, the spirit is spirit, they will equally guide. Welcome, Janica. Um, so let's also just, just finish off here with, with looking at the, um, some distinct personal attributes um, of, of each. So the father obviously is, he's, he's in his, he's his fatherness. He's the only one who begets. See, it's, it's describing the language that he has a son. Okay, he's not begotten. He's got a son. The father is the one who designs the work of redemption. He's the one who sends his son and the spirit to accomplish this work. The son is begotten as he's the son. It's, those two go hand in hand. Um, John 1.14, he's the only begotten son of the father. He's the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1.15, not meaning that he's the first first work of creation okay that's that's not what the text is saying yeah he's he he's from all he's from the beginning he's eternal um, but he was begotten of the father in eternity that is what is being communicated there and then the spirit proceeds from the father and the son he's the comforter he's the helper he dwells within us he is God's presence on earth. He's, he inspired scripture. He guides us all into truth. He convicts the world of sin and he empowers believers to live as godly lives. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have these three persons of the Trinity having these distinctions in them, but yet one God, one divine essence. And that is how we've got to hold together this mystery of the Trinity. Okay, so that finally brings our sessions on the Trinity to an end. We will continue next week on the doctrine of God, where we're going to shift to looking at God's uh, providence. So let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can rest in the truth that you are God and we are not, and that we that you hold all things together by the power of your word, that you, the one who was, who is, who is to come. Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Lord, prepare our hearts now as, we, um, as you draw us near to yourself, as we worship you. Lord, that your word uh, fall on, on fertile soil in our hearts, and Lord, would Christ be glorified as we worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.